0: Welcome to the July 14th, 2022 podcast of Wisdom Today. Hello, my name is Bill Kelly and I'll be your host today. We're going to be reading Proverb 14, but before we begin, let's open in prayer. Father God, I pray for anyone listening to this podcast today. Lord, I pray that you would give them ears to hear and a heart to receive everything you would have them receive from this particular podcast. I pray that you give them wisdom throughout this day and throughout the coming week. And Lord, above all, I pray that everyone would have favor with God and with man. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Proverb 14, beginning in verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve him. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean. But much increase comes from the strength of an ox. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. The simple inherit folly but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil will bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, to turn one away from the snares of death. In a multitude of people is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant But his wrath is against him who causes shame. Today, we're going to take a little closer look at verse 2. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. I want to look at the contrast between um, the first part of this verse and the second part. The first part says, "...he who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him." So the first part of the verse talks about people who fear the Lord, and we've talked about this on a number of occasions. And I'm not talking about having a fear of God. I am talking about having a reverence for God and understanding that God is God and I am not God. And I believe if you're truly going to try to be like Jesus, that we should understand who God is and try to walk in the ways that He would have us walk. So if you do that, in Proverbs 1-7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Friends, this is how we're supposed to be. We are supposed to have a reverential awe of God. And in today's society... Many people live their entire lives as though God is not even real, as though God is not even a factor, and they live day by day, moment by moment, decision by decision, making all of their own decisions, deciding that they are the boss and whatever they say goes, and friends, I believe if you follow the Lord and are truly led by His Spirit, I believe your life will probably be more successful. Today we're going to continue in our study of Joseph in the book of Genesis. And I still have another week that we're going to be looking at this. We're winding down Genesis, but I want to make sure that I put a proper closure On this as um, I'm gonna make the transition into Exodus and what I want to tell you is that I am NOT going to continue on to Exodus but what my plan is what I believe the Lord has told me that I am to do is that I am going to do one book from the Old Testament and then we are going to transition and I'll do one book from the New Testament. So, um, for those of you looking forward to what I will be doing, I will start with the Gospel of John. As Billy Graham used to say, where do you start in the Bible? And he says, we always start with the Gospel of John. But that is still a couple weeks away. But today, we are going to pick up where we did yesterday. And what I'm just going to remind you yesterday is that God is a God of order. And we discussed this yesterday in pretty much detail. And God is always going to provide for you. And the third point that I brought up yesterday is that Jacob was satisfied and was ready to die once he knew that his son Joseph was actually alive and well. But as we're going to find out in today's podcast and also on Monday's podcast, is Joseph lived a great many years after this. So we are going to pick up beginning in chapter 47, verse 1. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. And indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land, because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are one hundred thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers, and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with bread, according to the number in their families. The rest of chapter 47 deals specifically with the country of Egypt. What happens is a threefold process. All the people in Egypt are like Joseph's family had been. And first of all, they came to Joseph and said, Here is money for grain. And the next year, they came and said, we don't have any money anymore. So you can have our flocks, our herds, our cattle, our donkeys. And so they basically sold and gave Pharaoh and Joseph everything as far as their material possessions goes. The following year, they had nothing left. They had already sold, given all their money. They had already given all of their animals and livestock. So then they came one last time and said, The only thing we have left is our bodies and our land and homes. And so basically they sold themselves and their homes to Joseph and the land of Egypt. So basically Egypt became Pharaoh's property. So Joseph was in charge of the land of Egypt, and basically by the time the entire famine ended, Joseph had purchased the entire land of Egypt, and so now Pharaoh was in total command. But I would like to begin in verse 23, Through verse 25. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one fifth to Pharaoh. Four fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food for those of your households are as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. So once again, we show that God was with Joseph and he had given Joseph wisdom to do whatever he needed to do so that the land of Egypt would prosper and everyone in the land of Egypt would remain alive. I will never end a podcast without giving anyone an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If there are any of you listening today, and uh, this story has kind of made you realize that, oh gosh, I'm not right with God. And you know, you may never have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you may have done that and taken that step a number of years ago, that you've kind of strayed away from the Lord. If either one of those situations um, speaks to you, I invite you to repeat a simple prayer after me today. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to earth. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and showing us an example of how we can live our lives every day. Thank you that you are willing to die on a cross so that every one of my sins would be forgiven. By doing this, you have saved me from going to hell, and now I am heaven-bound as soon as I leave this earthly body of mine. Thank you for saving me. I invite you into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, I'm just going to make a little plug for those of you joining me for the first time today. If you have never um, listened to a Testimony Day on Tuesday, I invite you to do that. Beginning on May 3rd, every Tuesday has been, um, I've had a special guest, and we have listened to personal testimonies. So that would be May 3rd, 10th, 17th, 24th, and 31st, and in June, that would be 7, 14, 21, 28, and in July, that would be 5 and 12, and tomorrow is a special day, and Fridays what I do is uh, talk about a special chapter or passage of Scripture that will bless people so everyone can have a good weekend. Friends, I hope you'll join me tomorrow again as we further explore wisdom today.